So the other day I was welcoming students as they walked in my class when a black boy I didn't know stopped me in the hall and asked, do you teach geometry? So of course I was like, nah man, I teach US history and black and Latin studies. I could tell he was disappointed because when he walked away, he muttered something to his friend that stood out to me. He was like, man, why can't I ever have a black teacher? It definitely caught me off guard because I'm pretty sure this young man noticed that only 1.7% of all teachers are black men. He probably also noticed that only 7% of all teachers, period, are black. I wish I was able to tell him that prior to the Brown versus Board of Education decision, which integrated schools in 1954, black folks were 35 to 50% of all teachers in 17 states. I also wish I could have told him that after that Supreme Court decision, that black educators were systemically removed from schools, even though they had more advanced degrees than their white counterparts most times. Then he'd realize that we do want to be there for him. But the way this system is set up, you know. We in here, yeah, we in here, cause we been here. We in here, yeah, we in here, cause we been here. That's it. Well, welcome back and happy Monday. It's Black versus the Board of Education, and my name is Miss Laureen. And welcome to the BVBOE party. Uh, Sam, I, I don't, Sam is distracting me. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, Sam is in the building. So, why don't we go ahead to the co host and we can let you all introduce yourselves and then we will get to our very special guest. So, let me go ahead and start with Sam. Hi, my name is Samuel. I'm in fifth grade. I'm homeschooled. I'm 11. Whoa, it's, it's way too much for me to handle. We can stop it. <laughs> All right, Miss Melissa, go ahead and say hello. Hi, everyone. My name is Melissa, and I'm a 15-year-old sophomore in the Southern California area. All right, welcome back, Miss Adia. Hey, everyone. My name's Adia, and I'm a junior in the Sacramento area. Welcome, welcome, and Miss Jada, go ahead and uh, round us out. Hey, y'all, my name is Jada. I am a homeschool junior in the Sacramento area, and it's so good to be back. Cool, and I don't know what's going on with your audio, but you're fading out of there, so go ahead and uh, make sure your mic is close enough to you. Um, so look, we're talking about where did all the black teachers go, and I think that opening slide kind of gave us a synopsis of, of what it is that, that we're dealing with in terms of the Brown versus the Board of Education, not to be confused with Black versus the Board of Education podcast, um, but that decision really kind of changed the trajectory of the things in uh, public education as we know it now. And we have some very, very special guests. I'm gonna wait till they all turn on their cameras. I do see Miss Wells is ready to go. So let me go ahead and add Miss Wells to the party. All right, uh, Mr. Crowell is ready to go, so let me add him to the party. Ms. Jackson is here, and also Mr. Doyle. Welcome to our party, folks. Um, let me go ahead and go get some introductions. Uh, Ms. Wells, go ahead and uh, start us off. My name is Ms. Wells, and I teach ninth and 10th grade English here in El Segundo, California. Oh, perfect. Welcome, welcome. Mr. Crowell. Hello, my name is Eric Crowell. I teach 11th grade United States history and psychology at La Mirada High School. Oh, welcome, Miss Jackson. You got to take that off mute. Come on, sis. We already had this conversation. 
There you go. <laughs> Hi, my name is Candy Jackson. I um, retired in July of this year and I taught um, art and fashion and CTE and regular ed, you know how that goes. And um, I'm happy to be here. And I taught in the Sacramento area, particularly here in Elk Grove. And, and you, to... I don't know why you so weak today. I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> Mama, okay. So this you is almost... my mother and I'm going I'm to talk to her a certain way. I don't want anybody to get all offended because I talk to my mama like this, but that is my mother. Uh, Mr. Doyle, go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. <laughs> Quick. Are you giving us permission to talk to your mom the same way you do? Uh, only because you're my cousin. I'll, I'll go <laughs> ahead and let you. <laughs> okay. Uh, my name is Delaire Doyle, and I teach animation and video production at Pleasant Grove High School in Elk Grove, California. Perfect. So listen, like I love the fact that we have a variety of different types of teachers in the room. You know, y'all not just, you know, out there like normally when we go on school campuses, we see black folks as the coaches, um, as the disciplinarians. So it's so good to have a variety of teachers in the building. Um, and I think that what's so important for us to see is that y'all are still here and y'all are smiling um, because that's not always the case <laughs> when we talk to different teachers about their experiences it's not always the case so i'm just going to jump right into it um the gentleman at the beginning on the vignette he was talking about um how the black child was disappointed that he didn't have him as a teacher and i want to start with the gentleman um do you ever come across students who are disappointed that they don't have you as their teacher and I will start with uh, Mr. Crowell. Okay, hello there. Um, hello. Again, one of the challenges I have is that at my school, I'm one of two black teachers on campus. Uh, I now currently teach in a suburban school district, whereas before for the first 10 years of my career, I taught at my alma mater at Inglewood High School in West LA. Mm on the west side. And so mm -hmm. um, I have a handful of students who are African-American. The majority are kind of of mixed background and mm -hmm. they are all dying and disappointed that they can't have me. Uh, even seniors who, you know, found out about me are like, hey, you know, why can't we take his class? And so, I mean, it's a unique experience for it, but uh, definitely it's different you know, to, to be one of the few black teachers on campus and the only one born in America. Uh, okay, we're gonna put a pin in that. I'm gonna come back to that. Uh, Mr. Doyle, do you find uh, students on campus um, disappointed that they, they can't take your class, black students specifically? I would say yes and no, you know. Um, okay, explain that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I was uh, well my situation is is unique in the sense that you know um I think there's only two black male teachers on this campus and mm -hmm. I've taught at some schools where there was only one male on campus you know mm -hmm. and you know um white women dominate the educational culture the campus yeah. itself so in the case I've Sometimes I get kids that are like, man, I wish you were my teacher. Other times they avoid me, you know, oh. as if I'm a bad spot in the road because they know they have to come correct, oh. you know, okay. or they know that 
you know, um, like they say, they, they shucking and jiving, you know, a lot of kids, you know, shuck and jive. So in a sense that they don't want to bring their A game to the plate. And I was mm. the same, I was the same way as a high school kid growing up. Some of the black teachers I avoided because I knew, you know, they had that kinship to where they wasn't going to tolerate the nonsense. So I wasn't ready to adapt or meet their expectations. Okay, so Miss Wells, I saw you shaking your head like, <laughs> uh-huh, I don't play. So tell me about it. Uh, we're going to have same question. Do you have students who, well, Delaire said that they be avoiding y'all. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about your experience as a teacher? Well, um, I'm the only black teacher on staff at the current high school I'm at. And so I'm definitely a fresh face. And I know that the um, 10th graders, 11th graders, they've all had the same white male English teacher. And so them wanting to be in my class is just, I think, purely off bat because they want a different uh, a different flavor, a different style. Um, mm -hmm. I know that my style is definitely different from his. He's very strict and by the book, I'm not like that. You know, I, I feel like class should be a good time, especially in English particularly. Um, what I have found is that it's, it's crazy because today I gave the kids a reflection piece to reflect on how they felt when they first walked into my class and how they feel now. And I was really surprised at the feedback that I got because one kid was like, and this is a young black lady, young black woman. She was like, I was um, I was a little scared when I first got in, came into your class because I thought you was going to be stern because you're the first black teacher that I ever had and I'm used to having white teachers. And so I kind of felt like, dang, like, you know, whoa, like I, I, I felt some type of way. But then I had some young black men tell me later on today, like, you know, Miss Wells, I had no doubt that I was going to come in here and have a good time. And I think that we should have black teachers because they understand us and they know, you know, what we've been through. So especially younger black teachers. And so um, I, I, I feel two sides of the coin right there. And it's different for me because all I'll have is all I have had is black teachers. And I am oh. a black teacher because I had all women, black English teachers in high school who were a part of the Delta Sigma Theta sorority. So they were all friends. So, you know, it, it just was meant to be, but definitely I have kids who want to be in my class just because I'm different. Oh, see, where, where are you from that you had all black teachers? I'm confused. Where, where, where are you, where were you at? I'm from LA. And so I grew up in the Watts area and I went to King Drew Magna High School. And so oh, King okay. Drew is like one of the, <laughs> the best public schools in the area. And so, mm -hmm. um, and it was a high school where it was predominantly black for a long time. So it kind of set itself up to where my teachers, most of my teachers are African-American. That's dope. That's dope. Miss Jackson. And right before you talk, I see Miss Valentine has come in. So if she can turn on her camera to let me know she's ready, I will add her to the discussion. But until then, Miss Jackson, go ahead and answer the same question. Did kids want to be in your class or no? All the time. They wanted to be in my class because I was fun. It was a fine class, just like the um, previous teachers have stated, that we just, um, we're, we're different. We bring flavor. We bring something more to the classroom. And the kids, they could relax, and we could have fun, and we could talk, and we could just, we just vibe on a different level. And they've always wanted to be in my class. And I, well, all the kids actually would, a lot of the kids would tell me, you're my first Black teacher. And it's always been, it's just a lot of fun because we, you know, I like to joke around with the kids, but I'm also, I was also really um, stern, but it had its limits. They had to, um, well, they knew, they knew when they came in my class that it was all respect. 
it was all love. And they wanted to be in there because they knew that when they stepped in my class, it was going to just be a different experience. That's what it was. It was an experience. And so, yes, I was getting, I got that a, a lot. Well, that's, that's what's up. And, and Miss Valentine just dropped off so she could join back. I was trying to wait till your sentence was finished before I added somebody else to the uh, panel. But um, if she could come on back, that'd be great. So students, how many of you have had black teachers so far in your school career? Jada, besides your grandmother. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> all right, so tell me about that experience, Melissa. How how different is it to have a black teacher? I've only had one black teacher um, and that was in fifth grade. And I still talk to her now because that connection was there. Um, and we lost contact for a while. And then I found her on Instagram. We started talking again recently. And so I just, I loved being able to feel like I could be a teacher because growing up, if you don't see that, you don't think you can do that. You know, mm -hmm. it, representation really matters. So being able to see someone in a position of power or see someone doing something that you might want to do gives you hope for the future. So I really, I really think representation matters. And I love, of course, having Miss Wells going to have her next semester and I'm so excited. Um, so yeah, I really think that having a black teacher matters. Okay, and before we move on to the other students, we're going to add one more teacher to to the to the party. This is uh, Miss Valentine. So go ahead. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us uh, wh uh, wh where you're at in the world and what you teach or did teach. I don't know if you retired because we hadn't ha we haven't met yet, but you okay. tell us. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm I was trying to get my camera all set and ready because I was. It's a little dark in my office, but um, hello, I'm Mrs. Valentine. Um, I teach here in, I teach in Georgia um, in the city of Norcross, Georgia. Um, I'm in Gwinnett County School System, and I believe it's one of the largest um, school systems in the state, um, um, and also one of the largest school systems in the nation. Um, we, I teach anywhere from kindergarten through fifth grade. And I'm a support teacher, so I do not have my classroom anymore. So I enjoyed this position that I'm in because I have a little bit more flexibility, but I also get to work with students from anywhere from kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, and I mostly work with English language learners, but I also work with students that are um, behind um, in reading or math, um, any subject. Um, so trying to bridge that gap between where they should be and where they are. Perfect. Well, welcome to our party. We're so glad that you joined us. Are you by chance on like a phone device? Yes, I'm going to switch to my computer, but I wanted to just get on before um, you guys kind of got going. So I'm going to switch to my computer in a few minutes. Okay, but while you're there, can you just turn your phone landscape orientation so we can see a you a little bit more? If you just turn it to landscape. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You, is your lock screen on? You got, oh, there you go. See, hey, no, it's just dark. I just I don't have my light on, so I was trying to get. <laughs> said, no but problem. yeah, yeah, no you're problem. good. We can see you. We can see you, and we can hear you beautifully. Welcome. Um, so students, Adia, tell me about the difference. Or so you said you had a black teacher. What was that experience like for you? 
Yeah, so I've had two black teachers. My first black teacher was in sixth grade and like kind of jumping off what Melissa said, um, it, like I first realized that I might want to be a teacher, like work in education when I had him as a teacher because I feel like I could see myself more in that role. And I felt like, you know, he kind of proved to me that you can still be yourself and not kind of have to filter yourself into these white systems um, 100% like to still be a teacher. Um, so yeah, I just, the part of me that I feel like is really important about, te about Black teachers and with my experiences, I felt like I didn't have to filter myself constantly with like everything I said and did, because I feel like I'm a very opinionized person, you know what I mean? And like, I don't like, I'm not going to change who I am for like other people. And I just felt like I didn't have to feel like I would be persecuted for just being who I am or for my opinions or for talking a certain way or like writing a paper in a certain matter, anything like that. And then my second teacher, my second black teacher, I actually had to like kind of fight to get him. Um, um, it was last year, sophomore year. I had like got assigned to the um, one teacher, but then I emailed my counselor. I was like, I need a black teacher. So we're gonna have to switch that around. But um, <laughs> yeah, but that was also a really great experience because again, like I just felt like I didn't have to filter myself and I felt like I could be more of my authentic self and I felt more comfortable in the classroom. And it was overall two really good experiences. And those are like my favorite teachers now that I've really ever had. Oh, that's awesome. Jada, what do you, tell me about your teacher. Now, besides my grandmother, Miss Jackson, being my teacher in my first, my first black teacher in high school, um, I've had some experiences in middle school where my, I had a black principal and um, the way that my PE worked, you may have been with like one, like a specific teacher for PE, but somehow, some way, all three teachers were always together teaching everybody. And it was kind of, it was kind of a weird function, but there were actually two black PE teachers. Um, I would say my experience with my two black PE teachers, I, it was different from um, when I had a Caucasian someone who's not melanated, uh, a melanated, a non-melanated PE teacher in high school, whereas um, my black PE teachers tend to have more care for me. Um, you know, we would joke around, but they also still had that balance where they could be strict when they needed to. But it wasn't like being mean or like targeting you. It was like, I'm doing this because I care about you and I want you to know that I have your best interest at heart. And that's what I loved about that. Um, my teacher, I would say my first black official teacher in high school was Miss Jackson. Um, because we're family members, you know, <laughs> it was a little different, you know. Sometimes the teachers be like, "Dang, Miss Jackson must really not like you. You must have done something to her." No, she didn't do anything to me. But it was like a little secret, so you know that's all they saw. Um, but <laughs> it was definitely, it was, it was a strain because she was my grandmother. So you know, she'd always tell my parents, "You won't believe what she did in class today." I'm like, "Granny, I'm gonna tell them. Like, what are you doing? It's supposed to be our secret." <laughs> but I would say it was a. I enjoyed the experience about having a teacher that actually cared about me. You know, that's like one of my big things. I like teachers that I can bond with and have a personal connection with because it makes the class more, you know, pleasurable. It makes it more tolerable, I guess you would say. Instead tolerable. Of having, oh. Yes. Instead of having a teacher that's always targeting you and like just doesn't understand you at all and doesn't care to understand you. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Now, come on, Sam. Tell me, tell me about your teacher, Sam. I haven't had one yet. Oh, you Just, haven't had one yet? No. It's a disappointment, but it's true. I haven't had a black teacher yet. And so let me, let, let me ask you this. What difference in teaching styles do you think you, they would have if they had you, if they had you as a student? Because 
I understand the, the challenges that came along um, with having the white teachers that you've had, but what are you most looking forward to in terms of coming across a black teacher? More authenticity and mm, stop. Like, cause I wrote this paper. It was, mm -hmm. an, it was an opinion piece or a narrative piece. I wrote it for either one. And then it was about like uh, black trauma through times and through slavery and Jim Crow and all that. So, but she didn't get the paper. She didn't get it because you know, you're white and, but white people can sometimes get those things sometimes, but like she was like, you can frame this word into this one. I, I was like, what is she talking about? What are, what are you talking about? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so Sam, uh, got, he was taken out of public school um, because of these constant run-ins. Uh, I would say he, he described them as microaggressions. So when you have students who um, have experienced microaggressions in the classroom and then they come to you, um, what, how does that change or does it change the way you interact with students? And I, Mr. Crowell, I see your head shaking. So I'm gonna start with you. Does that inform your teaching style at all? Um, knowing what well, black students may go through? Yes, believe it or not, uh, I have a handful. I have this one young man in my fifth period right now and believe it or not, um, he grew up in Hawthorne. So he's from the West side as well. And, uh, he transferred to our school and he hasn't had a pleasant experience. I do know like something about, you know, our black kids and the energy they may have. Uh, you know, some may wish to actually go into a song in the middle of it. I could just give a look to a kid and it shuts it down. You know, it's not like I'm trying to threaten him or use the quart of blood that leaves their body technique by looking at him in a way. But I think that what's the difference is is that if that kid was in another one of my colleagues' classes, they would have immediately been sent to the office, mm. would have been disciplined, et cetera. I get it. Um, sometimes even I throw in jokes. Even I actually, uh, I try to model it for how it should be for the Black kids so they see exactly how far it is that they could go or what they can't do. And mm -hmm. I think the difference is, I know for me, it's it's like a totally different ball game because of the microaggressions as um, Sam had alluded to, I deal with it with the colleagues. And so it's a little bit different because some of my colleagues actually, I mean, I've even had an incident where I had to actually go to my, my principal's office and say, look, there's some students actually that have issues that are not being addressed, but I got a solution for it. So what I did was create a Black Student Union on our campus this year. And so this year is our first year with our Black Student Union on campus. Now you have 60 Black kids now with all their parents going to the principal at once. Mm. So there's a difference in having numbers. Again, for me, it could help that I'm a third generation Black, you know, Black teacher, school teacher. My grandmother started it. My mom was a teacher. And now I'm teaching. And so again, uh, I think the challenge here, especially when you start dealing with young people and discipline, you know, the myth 
is that we're all disciplinarians. And so when I first started teaching, this is my 24th year in education. Wow, it flies by. Uh, but in my 24th year, you know, my first year I taught, I was in Inglewood teaching a sixth grade self-contained uh, kindergarten through eighth grade school where uh, I, after the first year, I came in six subs later. The teacher quit. The students were all over the place. Students were transferred to that class. It was a throwaway class, kind of. And the challenge here is, how do you make an impact? <clears throat> the kids who I taught had looked at me in a way, kind of like they saw like someone they could connect with. So I think the problem here is you have to connect with the students on the level. And I think that's what's missing uh, is the connection and the relationship with students. Uh, what I did is I did something a little different. I, instead of having lunch by myself, started taking lunch out into the playground and eat with the students and sit at the table. Excuse me, can I sit here? Great. And we just start talking about just basic stuff, video games, my PlayStation mm -hmm. 5 or anything. I mean, my thing is conversations like this, you have to establish a connection before you can discipline kids. Come on now. That's the problem. Oh, sorry. That's the problem. <laughs> Too many people are too busy trying to say, since I'm the person in charge, this is what you need to do. And it doesn't work with my Latino kids. It doesn't work with my white kids. It doesn't work with my Asian kids. The other kids will go along with it sometimes because that's the way it should be. But the connection makes it so much more of a unique experience. And I think that's the impact more so mm -hmm. when I have a kid in class, that they know what to say, what to do and how to behave because in a relationship has been established and they know that I have their best interest. Gotcha. Relationships. Relationships are a big part of this. Miss um, Wells, I got a question. So, uh, you know, a lot of times, first of all, I just have to do a full disclosure. I am an education advocate. That means when there are problems on school campuses, your, your administrators get to see me. Um, and a lot of times, there's this constant downplaying of the things that black students are expressing so quite simply are black kids lying about the way they're being treated on these campuses absolutely not because i have just this semester i have a young lady in my class and you know she she does her part in not doing her work and not you know submitting assignments on time but she has a voice and when she come in she could talk that talk but it's not in the work, right? But to my white male colleague, she's very get the tone is is bad, and she's very angry. And you know, um, I remember him writing an email about her behavior, and I read it. And I'm like, this is not act. This is not an accurate picture, and it's really through the lens of of prejudice. If we really want to keep it, you know, be straight about it. And so, you know, I really had to. I found myself coming to her defense because I understand, you know, having a voice, but not knowing how to, you know, put it down on paper. Cause sometimes we could talk better than we can sit down and write some papers and stuff like that. So the, the children definitely, I find myself, and I think that's an issue when it comes to being the only black teacher on staff, we do have a black principal, assistant principal, and we do have a black counselor, male counselor on campus, but I feel like I'm defending my black students all the time. Like I'm the only one that really solidly has their back because I know what it's like to be, you know, 
to be the only black person in certain spaces. And like I shared with Melissa earlier, it's so crazy to be on this podcast on this topic because I just graduated with my master's in curriculum instruction back in May. And my final, uh, my final, thank you so much. My final uh, project for one of my classes was um, if keep that same energy was an institution, how um, black schools, (laughs) how how schools are still sites of suffering for black students who become black teachers. And so I've Mm -hmm. been in spaces, the first school I ever taught at, I was the only, I wasn't the only black teacher, but I had no black students. And so I got a lot of, your your tone is off, Miss Wells, you always yelling. And I could be talking just like this. And they say, I'm yelling, you know, and it ended up being a bad situation. I got non-reelected, you know, I couldn't go back to the district for two years. And so I took that year off, but you know, it, it, it was almost damaging, mm. but it's okay. Cause you know, minor setback, major comeback. So I'm here That's and it. I'm able to be in a space where I have more black students and more black, black lives to save. And, you know, it, it, but it definitely was a site of suffering. These classrooms are sites of suffering for not only the teachers, but the students as well. Okay, hold on real quick, because uh, Jada, I want you to play um, that first uh, clip of that young teacher. I want to get your reactions to this. So go ahead and play that first clip, Jada. Originally, I got into education. Um, I was very passionate. I really wanted to be able to give back. I wanted to be able to impact the youth and make a difference in their lives so that they can go off to college and do amazing things. And that didn't happen. It didn't. It didn't quite happen. It didn't quite pan out that way. I realized when I got into the to the school system, I ran into like hella issues. Like it was just so difficult. Like working in that environment, uh, primarily when like most of the staff I could not relate to, like my supervisors and bosses, because they were all like Caucasian, um, uh, white. They they were white. I don't even use Caucasian. I don't even know why I said that. They were white. And I found myself like consistently trying to tell them certain things culturally about the students and they just did not want to listen. Like they did not think that what I had to say was of any value or anything that I had to say was valid. Um, And I don't know if it was because like I was a less experienced teacher. Um, I don't know if it was because I looked 14. Like I don't, I don't know, but I always found myself like struggling to like have my voice heard. And I remember visiting uh, Francis Parker, very nice, like prestigious school for elementary and high school students. And I remember taking a tour through the school and I'm like, this is low key a college. Like this is, this is like a, a college. Like it's better than some junior colleges. I remember visiting that school and getting back to work and just being so pissed off, right? Like I was so mad because I'm like, why are those kids getting that type of quality education? And these students, like, I found that the more and more I started to create these like really strong bonds with some of the students, I really started to have an appreciation for their stories, where they came from, um, their struggle. And I started to get even more infuriated with the system that was failing them. And I didn't want to be a part of it. So that's a young teacher that actually left um, the field of teaching um, because he found that there was not a lot of support um, for him, uh, not a lot of understanding. And Miss Wells, that made me think of what you were saying um, in terms of people, you know, tone policing you uh, and, and trying to get in your business about the way in which you were doing things. Um, so, so Mr. Doyle, um, do you find that you have to also protect the the black students on your campus? 
Is that a, a job just de facto that you were given because you're one of the only black teachers? And you're on mute. And you can say no. <laughs> no, I knew I was on mute. Yeah, I knew I was on mute. Um, I would say, yeah. Yeah, we had a big issue at our uh, district a couple of years ago where, um, I mean, some people were kind of laid off because of the situation, to be honest. And um, the students And which came... situation are we talking about? <laughs> You know, because I, you know, I like to be specific. <laughs> so, if you talk, are you talking about the situation where nooses were being thrown in the classrooms and these no. kids were being following home? So, it's something else. It's something okay. Else. Yeah. Okay. So, they're all right. <laughs> but I'll be quiet yeah. about his school. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, it was a situation where students had put a, wrote a letter about a, uh, it was a few years, I think like my second year here. Some students had wrote a letter in regards to how they were being treated, and they put it's the, the same letters. situation. You said it wasn't. Yes, that was the letter, and with the nooses, but it was a whole yes. bunch of other stuff too. It was. But and let me just answer situation. your. Let me but just answer your question. Okay, come on. <laughs> they came to me and told me. I think as soon as they did it, they came to my class and started saying, "Mr. Doyle, uh, we put some letters in the in in the box, and um, you know they were taken out, and we felt upset." And they were saying, well, the students didn't follow protocol and all this other stuff. And I was telling the students, you know what? If I were you guys, I would just let admin handle it. I said, just let admin handle it at first. You know, go through the steps, go through the protocol. And admin called me and trying to get my take on everything. And, I'm, and I, to answer your question, yes, I do feel like because I am black, they feel that I'm talking for all black people as if mm -hmm. we're monolithic type of, you know, group. And that's not true. But I knew where the kids were going with it, and I tried to give our administration, you know, some some leeway to get out in front of it. But once they started talking to their parents and the parents started talking to the media, it's out of my hands, you know. I can only do my job, you know, yeah. as, as, as a teacher. And my job is, support, is to support the students. I'm here for the students, you know. So, yeah, I do feel that, you know, uh, as a black teacher, they do, especially, well, yeah, I do feel like I am the one of the voices that people look for to speak for the black students. Gotcha, gotcha. And just so full disclosure, it was his school that made me get into educational advocacy. Um, I didn't like the way they handled things. And I told that young lady who wrote the letter, one of them, I said, take a break. I got it from here. And I've been in their behinds ever since. Uh, Ms. Jackson, <laughs> were you the protector of children on your campus? Tell me about the black students on, on your campus. Absolutely, I think we all are. Um, I ran BSU for 11 years and it's been, it was a place for students to come and to vent. And like I was telling you earlier that students would come to my class during, you know, all during the day, even during the passing period, just to pop their heads in and say, hey, Ms. Jackson, <laughs> you know, sorry, Ms. Jackson, I have the theme song. Ooh. They would always sing. They would sing to me. And it was just, yeah, they were always in my class. And as the as other educators know, we spend a lot of times, a lot of time at the school. I wouldn't go home most of the days till six. Children would come to my class after school. I always had snacks, always had something for them to eat. And they would come and get something to eat. And if they had a problem, they would come and we would talk. But the thing that would surprise me most is when they would 
tell me about what happens in their other classes. It was, it was, some of that stuff was horrifying. And some of the language that they would tell me that other teachers use, I could not believe it. I, and I, I would tell them, I said, no way. Teachers don't talk like that, Miss Jackson. Yes, they do. And I was just, I was just surprised, honestly, some of the things the students would come and tell me, and they did it all the time. And yes, I was a protector of the students. And I took a lot of um, shots for that. I mean, it, it was, I was targeted for years, just, <laughs> anyway, I won't even get into that. But it was, it was, um, it's not always, always good. We, we, um, we, we, we take a lot of shots as teachers. We, when you protect a, a students or you protect your colleagues, or even if you just stand up, they will target you and they, they could be very vicious. And not only will the principal target you, but his um, cronies will target you. And pretty soon you will have the whole, you will feel like the whole school is against you. And if it wasn't for my faith in God, I would not have made it in teaching. I'm sorry, that's how bad it was sometimes. I would not have made it. And I would just stand on the word. I am more than the world against you. And that's what I would have to live by. That I, when I would step on that campus some days, and I did high school, I would have to take that, I have to stand on the word. Otherwise, I would not have made it. It was, it was just that torturous. It, it was, it was bad as sometimes. And you just, but you have to, hey, you can't run. People would say, well, just leave. No, if I leave, what's going to happen to these kids? So I did my time. And when the time came and, and it was time for me to retire, I felt like, okay, I did my job. Somebody else needs to um, take the baton now. Miss mm -hmm. yes. Valentine, and my mom is being, my mom is being very, uh, very uh, easy with her language. Um, mm -hmm. It also helped that she had two daughters who are hell raisers. Um, and my sister got on that real quick. And um, yeah, and I told them when my mom retired, uh, I was going easy on you because my mom was still a teacher here. But now that she's off, the, the gloves are coming off. Uh, Ms. Valentine, would you agree with the assessment that you had to, <laughs> you had to be the protector of the kids on the campus? Yes, um, I, I do agree. Um, my situation is a little bit different, but um, I worked where I work now in the county I work in now, in the county I worked in when I first moved to Georgia, um, very different um, counties. It's as as you know, the South, I mean, the world period, but the South is still very segregated, but they don't act like they're segregated. So the county I worked in is a more of, I would say, diverse, more African-Americans, more Black people in that county. Um, you would see, you would walk into school and that's all you may see. And you may see a trickle of, you know, something else. The county, I, the county I'm in now, some schools are like that, but it's still, it's not as, as dominant, I would say. Mm -hmm. So the protector goes both ways for me, um, not in this present state of education in Georgia where I am. Um, I say it goes both ways, meaning that being an advocate and protecting the the our our black kids, but also getting on our black teachers for what they how they treat our black kids. I'm not mm. just I mean we talking about I'm I, I'm white white teachers too, non-black teachers, but there's a a a part of of us that like I think um, I don't I can't my 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 camera small the one that said he's been educated for 25 years. Um, there's a part of us that were raised a certain way. I'm 51. So, you know, 
I, I didn't have plenty of problems in school. Let's, I mean, I didn't get in trouble in school, I would say that, but my parents, you know, were, they didn't play that. So, so when I first got older, I came into the notion, like everyone should do what I'm doing, like act right, like to respect, be respectful. But it, as I grew up in, in my younger years and learned that everybody wasn't raised like, like myself, everyone didn't have, you know, the very healthy home. And you knew if you came home with something, you was going to get beat or whooped or whatever you want to call it. Everyone didn't have that. So that pushed myself into staying in education, but becoming a, a, a relation, a bit a relationship coach, a life coach and becoming a, a managing family therapist. So there's so many things that go through my mind daily as I'm teaching, but my assignment is bigger than that. Like I, the teaching part to me is important, but I'm like, look, let me just be that advocate because when when a lot of our students have problems at the school I'm at now, we don't have a lot of black, we don't have a plethora of black kids at the school where I'm now. We have a, a, a high Hispanic population. So what happens is everyone's so focused on helping these English language learners to reach the bar to get through the barrier of speaking and, and learning English and, and getting them that I feel like the black kids sometimes go by the wayside. And then there it's a natural thing in some that, oh, because you're black, you speak English, you should just know, like you should be performing better. So it becomes a almost like a negative connotation that is put on them. Like you're just being lazy and this is black, white and everyone. So I'll check teachers a lot because I'm like, that doesn't mean that he's being lazy. And I go back to Mr. I can't see your name. Red shirt. Pro -well. Pro -well. When he was, yeah, when he was speaking about building relationships i am so big i get on their nerves at work because i'm like you have to build a relationship with your students and and there's a i mean my my company my business and my my um nonprofit is building five minutes five minutes with your children a week you might you don't get to all your kids but like you said sit with them at lunch take five minutes because once you find out that johnny or quantavius or dante or whoever you want to call them once you find out that Oh, mom works double shifts. Oh, dad is not in his life. Oh, our dad's in his life, but he's taking care of baby sister. Once you find out what is going on with them, or maybe it's just nothing of that caliber, you find out what's going on with them, get to know them. Don't just say, like Sammy, don't just say, oh, he's a, he's a, oh, he's a, he's smart for a black kid. Like you can't, there's no, there's almost like an immaturity when it comes to some of um, our educators because they're living in a box, but I keep pushing and pushing and pushing. We have we have almost predominantly black teachers at my school. Now, our students do not reflect the teachers. So it's a benefit for our black kids. It can be a benefit, but I don't believe that across the board it is because we expect our kids, we should have high expectations, but we still got to build that relationship and bridge that gap in, in between saying, okay, you might not be able to do this, but just because the Hispanic kid over here has a, you give him extra, extra support. It shouldn't be any different. We should be giving them extra support. And I go back to, I'm, I'm from California. I was born and raised in California and I was in the, I was in, um, I guess the outskirts of the Bay area. So I only had like one or two black teachers in my school growing up, but I had some favorite white teachers that sold into me but i'm gonna tell you the difference they sold into me because 
my parents were involved. My brother and sister played sports. Mm. We, I was a cheerleader. We were involved. We were that black family that didn't live in the projects. So they treated us different. And I watched how they treated the other kids that lived in the projects. They would just, they wrote the small school bus. Their classes were over there. And it's funny how you see things growing up, but you don't really realize it till you like, wait, something, something's different. My dad and mom were very involved. They knew that we were my main name is Taylor. The ta those are the Taylors. Like we were, we were as close to the Huxtables without being the Huxtables. We didn't have the money, <laughs> we, you know, but we were like the black family that lived in the suburbs. And that was just rare in the seventies and eighties. So I go back to the, I went to a conference years ago. I had to be in my twenties. It was called beyond diversity. And I was in California and it was amazing. When I tell you, I don't know what happened to that conference, but we need to bring back more training on diversity because when we get to know and understand other cultures, if you understand the black culture, we're not asking you to feed into everything that we do, but have an understanding, have some empathy of not just what we've been through, but understand that just because of the color of our skin, we can move mountains. But I think it becomes a fear of people. They, they're they afraid yeah. to see us excel. So that beyond diversity training yeah. or just getting teachers to understand that just because, and this is just real, just because the little boy comes to school and he ashy and he ain't been a lotion on his legs, don't mean he's not smart. Like, like we are so, we have so many favorites and it just, it, it hurts my heart because I'm constantly telling teachers, younger teachers, you you can't say that you, you can't say that <laughs> don't, don't say that and and get to know your students build yeah. that relationship and i mean and and I, i'm constantly and i'm on the teachers more black wider and different than i am even on the kids because i'm big on build relationships if you get to know somebody then you'll understand why they act the way they do but if you don't get to know them you're just gonna yell scream get out i'm like get out where are they going why are you like it's just this is elementary i'm like get out to go where like so if you hear that all the time as a second grader third grader what does that do for your your years of your molding years like what does that do for your your psychological awareness when you're a kid and then you get by the time you get to middle school high school all you were told is to get out and no telling what you're hearing at home so so i'm constantly on our teachers um I'm a behavioral support intervention specialist. Mm -hmm. I do the behavior side. So right. I'm constantly on them. So yeah, I, I'm just, I'm that advocate to just, you know, I don't care if you're a black teacher, I do care. But if you're a black teacher, I'm going to be on you just like the white teacher because we have predominantly, my, my whole school probably has 80, 85% black teachers, but the That's kids don't reflect us. But so we should be treating, I feel we should be treating our black kids even better than we treat the other kids because we should have, we should learn to have some kind of connection with them. Right. And I, you know, and I think that a lot of times and there seems to be this misconception that I don't like teachers. I love teachers. I like good oh. teachers. I don't believe in keeping people in positions that they have no business being in. I believe that a lot of this is a heart issue. You cannot out train stupidity um, and, mm -hmm. and prejudice. You can't train that out of people. Either you believe black children are human beings or you don't. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. I'm yeah. actually one of the ones, I don't think it has to be, it's not a training issue because they know how to treat every other child with some respect. It's just, they have no respect for black children. And we need to talk about that. Um, Sam told me he had a question. Um, and so I'm gonna throw it to Sam and let him ask his question. So um, have you 
have you had an experience with a white student or any other color student where you, where you have been like had a microaggression or have been like like something like that like a racially motivated comment or something mm. teachers have have you had a, a and mr crowell is shaking his head and miss jackson is too so let me start with him and then we'll go to miss jackson and miss wells are you popping up okay so let's go in that yeah. order I've actually had uh, some from, uh, it was interesting for my Latino students because what they didn't understand is that I have a minor in Spanish. Oh, Lord. And so okay. bilingual in Spanish, and I am I know more about many of their cultures than they do. And, uh, you know, we talked about Vicente Fernandez passing this weekend, which meant everything to the students and it changed the game, something about connection. But one student was like, you don't understand me, you know? I speak Spanish. I was like, oh, que ironico, que yo el español también. And they were like, oh, I didn't know. I was like, no tiene idea porque está pensando, porque soy moreno. I was like, you don't understand because you think, because I'm black, I don't connect. I said, mm. no, soy black Tino. That's all I need black to say. <laughs> and you need to understand your part. Uh, you got to connect. I'm from Inglewood. You know, we got everything there, buddy. Uh, mm. And I think the difference here is a lot of folks don't understand. I went to college in East LA, lived on campus, mm -hmm. stayed in the community, had to actually do all of my trainings and stuff like that in the community. So it's like the connections are different. Uh, and it impressed the black kids actually that I spoke Spanish. So, mm. you know, kind of to answer Sam's question about the microaggression, uh, you know, I had white students as well who did it, but my favorite one was from the Asian student where I had a, a young lady who was uh, Korean and she told me, you know, uh, she disagreed, but she understood why I did or said something to her. And then, so she told her parents and her parents went off on some tangent because they were a liquor store owner in South LA. And so the kid had taken an interest in me and she really enjoyed my class to the extent where the girl actually got herself put on punishment because she defended the honor of black people because she had me as her teacher mm. and said, mom, dad, granddad, you're saying all this about black people, but we're in their community and you're saying that they're broke and don't have money, but if they didn't buy the items in our store, we would not be able to take care of this house for me to have mm. my clothes. And when she said that, my eyes got big and I covered my mouth. I said, young lady, I do not want you to be shunned from your family. She said, uh, I took that loss. She said, that was an L I took. I was like, you're invited to the next cookout, young lady. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we inviting people to cookouts now. Miss <laughs> Jackson, Miss Jackson. Okay. I'm going to be really quick. The two that stand out in my mind, one happened uh, a few years ago, maybe three years ago. And this, um, this little Asian kid. He um, had this rope and he tied it in the um, form of a noose. And when I walked by, he put it out on his desk. And um, and then the other one, I won't go into it. And the other one has been probably 20, 15, 20 years ago. This little girl, she was a, a little Russian girl and she came to America. And she and this is this is when I taught middle school. That was short lived. But anyway, um, she 
she kept reminding me that she was white. I'm white, I'm white, I'm white. And she was Russian, you know, but she knew that once she came to America, she could be white. And one day she, she um, wrote Aunt Jemima on the paper and she made sure that I saw it. So yeah, so, so I've had microaggressions. So I'm going to stop there. We can get into that later <laughs> if you want to know. Okay, Aunt Jemima, okay. Miss Wells? Um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, working at a predominantly Latino school, I got the, you're always yelling, your tone is off, you're mean. Um, what I find here, though, because the demographic is a bit different, uh, first time teaching white students, um, I have this one student, and um, in the beginning of school of the school year, his mom is like, oh, my son has never gotten anything lower than an A in any of his classes ever. And she was unhappy that he didn't have an A at the time in my class. And so since we're mastery-based grading, I'm like, true mastery is awarded at the end, you know? And so uh, when it came down to their final projects, he failed the final project. And so his life is over. Like, oh my God, I, I got an F. This is my first F I've ever gotten. And I started to get a little, a little nervous, a little scared, because I'm like, any minute his mom going to roll up. Like, my son has never gotten anything below an A, so why are you going to start? And so I mentioned to one of my coworkers, another white lady on staff, and I'm like, you know, I'm a little nervous that if all his other teachers are passing him and I'm the only teacher that is that give him a B minus, he's earned a B minus in my class, it's y'all going to come back like, oh, you're the mean black lady who didn't give my son the grade that he's always gotten. And uh -huh. so I, I tread the line of being scared and holding back because I don't want it to be like, you're that, you know, because then the stereotypes start coming in. And my coworker was like, oh, no, you shouldn't have to think that way. That's never the case. But when I got that reflection today and the student said, you know, you're you're my only black teacher I've ever had and I expected you to be stern. It's always going to be an issue. It's always going to be that because I'm always one of one of the only in, instead of being one of many. I'm one of the only. And so uh, come down to microaggressions and things of like that. It's like we always toe on the line. We're like, oh, I got to be safe. I can't say this. I can't do this. And it kind of restricts my authenticity, authenticity. But. I'm a challenger, period. Like I'm gonna show up and be unapologetically myself because that's how the women who taught me were. And so if that's a problem, then I don't need to be here. But my boss has got my back, so they know what it is. <laughs> we gonna send your boss a, a, a card and make sure he knows how fabulous we think you are. Cause I'm, I'm looking at the private chat, just so you know. I don't know if you can see the private chat, y'all can, but there's a whole conversation about you and them wanting you as their teacher. <laughs> <laughs> going on in the private chat. I just have to put that out there. Um, Jada, you said you had something you wanted to say? Yeah, and I'm going to make it quick. I can't point out specifically what Miss Valentine said, but she had said something that like sparked a memory in my mind where in my, my, in my math class in middle school, um, there was this one teacher and I always felt like I felt, I felt like a dumb person in an honors class because I was surrounded by, you know, a whole bunch of Asian people and everybody else was smarter than me. And, you know, they would sit next to me, show me their grades. And I look at my grades and I'd feel very self-conscious. And there was this time where, you know, my dad was getting on me, your grades are bad, you need to pick it up. So I was talking to the teacher about what I can do to pick up my grade. And he was like, okay, we'll meet me before class. So I met him before class. He wasn't there, but he got on me saying that I wasn't there. Your door was locked. He's like, when I was inside, I knocked. So if you were inside, wouldn't you open the door? But it always backlashed on me. Like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, but I'm coming to you for help and you're acting like you're helping me. But let's be honest, you don't really care because if you actually cared, you would do the steps that it took to help me out as a student. 
So that's just something. And, that and, and for the time. record, she didn't tell her mom that because I would have been at the school um, because I don't play that uh, with my kid. Um, I do remember one of her teachers, she sent him an email and she was asking him for the assignments. And he basically said, well, if well, it's your job to copy down the syllabus. And if you didn't do what I told you to do during class, blah, blah, whatever he said. And I said, now, um, first of all, my daughter's, my daughter's email is coming to my phone. And if that's the tone that you are taking with children, you and I are going to have a problem. So I need to figure out a time when you and I can meet. He didn't want to meet with me. I don't know why I'm so nice. Um, he didn't want to meet with me, but he met with Jada's dad um, to go over whatever it was. But one thing I will say about teachers, um, some of them have been trying it for a long time and they have not had a parent to come up there and go over policy with them. They're used to reactionary black folks who come up there and cuss them out and then disappear. Um, but when you're talking about um, people who are coming and they're looking at the policy and it's like, wait a minute, your syllabus says this, did you do this? What are the steps to do that? And they're not used to those type of questions. Um, yeah. and, and they're used to talking to these kids any kind of way, let's be honest. Um, yeah. And so what we've been working with our students here at BYLP, what we've been working on with them is to go and get them a safe adult to come and equal out that power imbalance because they are never going to win an argument with the teacher. It's their word against them. And the teachers have that power of the pen. So they can never, ever, ever out think out with some of these teachers. So they need to come get a, a safe adult to come in with them and advocate on their behalf. And I know we want our children to be uh, youth led. We want them to youth lead all these different spaces, but if they don't have the experience um, or the, the um, temperament to go through the hoops, we're gonna have a bunch of frustrated kids who are going to be lashing out, who are then going to be suspended and expelled. So, um, I'll just leave that there. But um, we are we, we have run out of time. So we have about two minutes and 30 seconds to go. So what is it, um, the impact that you're hoping you're leaving on your campuses uh, just by you being there? Um, and I, I think I'm gonna have to hold y'all to 30 seconds. So um, Ms. Jackson, I know you're the only retired one here. What was the impact that you hope that you left on your campus? I hope that I, um led by example. I know I touched a lot of lives and I would hope that they would um, model for others what I modeled for them. I'm talking about teachers and um, and the students. And I hope that I left a hole in my you absence. You hope you left a hole? A oh. hole in my absence. I hope they felt my absence. <laughs> Come on now. Okay, Mr. Crow. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's difficult to follow that, but uh, just to make it short and sweet, I guess one of the things that I hope to have left is an impact, not only to my Black students, but to the other students about how Black folks are. I mean, they're accustomed only to seeing Black people in entertainment, you know, athletics, music, movies, etc. And to be a positive role model and to inspire. That's the big thing, to stay inspired. Miss Wells. I hope I am to my students what my Black teachers were to be. Um, I hope I serve as that representation. And I hope that as an English teacher specifically, if people don't think you deserve to be in the room, you better know how to use some words to show them why you deserve to be in the room and why I'm going to stay in this room, whether you like it or not. <laughs> I, me and you are going to stay connected because I like you. I like you a lot. <laughs> Mr. Doyle. Pretty much the attitude of never quit, you know? 
and uh, use the four C's, critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, communication. With those four things, you can conquer any obstacle challenge and just use my class as a launching pad, you know, and get out, conquer the world, conquer your fears. Ms. Valentine. Um, I, I would agree with just leaving the, hopefully I leave in a hole when I leave. Um, building relationships, um, being an example, and inspiring students just not to become whatever, just to dream, like really know that the world is the, yours. And no matter what, like you said, having an advocate of a an adult that is gonna assist you along the way. And to be that adult, to, be, to push teachers to be those adults, to not look at just data and test scores and what we can do, but to look at the child as a pure person and just treat them as a soul and build that relationship with them. Thank you so much. And uh, I know we're going to go a little bit over, over because I want to um, talk to my students really quickly. What's, what is a, a takeaway you guys are taking away or, or what do you hope to get from this conversation or impart on your school districts about the type of teachers you need present for you in your educational journey? Let me start with Adia. Um, I would say I learned today to like always, you know, kind of um, build those connections with your black teachers. And also, I feel like one thing that also like sparked with me is just to kind of um, to kind of also be that connection for other students who may not have that role model on campus um, and to, you know, just really find comfortability in your black teachers. Melissa. I think that it's really important that um, something that was brought up with empathy and learning about black culture, I think Ms. Valentine brought that up and we're not asking you to learn everything about black culture. We're not asking you to try and become black, but we're asking you to recognize who we are and that impacts how we are in your classrooms if you are not a black teacher. And even if you are a black teacher, recognizing that, you know, we're all different, we're not a monolith, which is something Ms. Lorraine says a lot. We are not a monolith. So we need, I know I've had experiences with a white, specifically a white history teacher who did not understand that. And we have come at each other because I'm trying to, you know, get you to understand this is who I am. And saying this while I'm in your class is not okay. And I'm not going to let that happen. So understanding black culture and understanding that, you know, we have voices and we're not going to stay quiet like some of the other kids in our class. All right, Miss Jada. I just want to say that um, building, I feel like building relationships with teachers is important, especially uh, in, when white teachers like to get mad when we're not all learning the same way because we don't all have the same mind. We all function differently. So getting to know your students and trying to target how they can learn better, I think is super duper important. Samuel. Better hiring. Like, I'm pretty sure there's there's plenty of capable black teachers that are just not getting hired because they're like, mm, they're black. So what can they really bring to the table, right? Makes no, makes no sense. <laughs> so Sam wants better hiring. Uh, before we get out of here, I just got to give a shout out to a couple of my teachers. My first black teacher that I had was Miss Watts. She taught me home economics and I still make the dishes that I learned in her class. Mm -hmm. um, my second black uh, and one of, and my favorite, she probably watching right now. Uh, I still call her Miss Giles, even though she's been married like twenty something years. Uh, Miss Evans now, Mrs. Evans, uh, but Miss Giles was my my favorite teacher, and I still uh, talk to her to this day. 
Um, and then uh, I just have to give a shout out to Miss Lundahl, who was my English teacher. Um, I've had a lot of white women, but that was one white woman that took her time to usher me through and to answer my questions about English that I had. Um, and I was super, uh, and I still used to say that I'm not a great writer, but the writing that I do do, it is because she took the time to walk me through things. So I want to just give a shout out to Miss Lundahl because um, I know she's one of my Facebook friends and she might hear this. So um, that's what's up. And what she said, thanks for black teachers from kindergarten to my master's program for me. Okay, Miss Exquisitive had black teachers all through. I did not have that. I wish I had that. Um, and I know that there are a lot of kids who wish they had more, seeing more y'all on their campus. Because I'm telling you right now, Miss Wells, honey, 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 somebody is going to swoop you up if anybody ever lets you go. Because the fire and the passion that you have for this job, let me tell you, it's, it, our kids need you. And so I'm going to figure out how we can connect offline. Uh, so with that, thank you all for joining us today. This is Black versus the Board of Education. Where did all the Black teachers go? They are right here. And they are spread out. Um, but we're going to see if we can kind of put some pressure on these districts to get off their behinds and do something. Because what they're doing right now ain't working for us. Uh, so with that, we're going to hit y'all with the wave. We'll see you. Oh, wait. We're we taking two weeks off. What? We are taking two weeks off. So we will be back January 3rd. Six, girl, no, January 3rd. Deb's trying to tell me the 16th. She's lying. Um, January 3rd, we will be back. Um, can we have you all come back to us? Would you guys mind coming back to us for like a part two? Because I don't think we had nearly enough time to talk to you. Um, so think about coming back with us maybe uh, January 3rd or after. Um, and we will... Uh, schedule that out so y'all hear them production y'all hear them uh let's get on that all right so with that we're gonna hit you with the way see you in two weeks right here on facebook and youtube this is black versus the board of education y'all take care and merry christmas if we don't see you merry christmas happy new year <laughs> merry christmas